Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy. Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers brought to you by the Say It Again Network. How are you doing, Zach? Man, I'm, I'm pretty good, but it is very, very hot in Northern California. It was about 90 plus today. It's going to be 100 plus tomorrow, and I'm doing okay. I'm just trying to stay cool. Dude, it's on. hot in Southern California, too. Man. I've been feeling it, too. It's hot everywhere. Just trying it to sucks because I got this podcast and I'm sitting in a room with everything all closed in, the sun shining in, and right now it's fine, but give it like 15 minutes, I'm going to be dying. I, I really feel, not even kidding, I feel like I've been sweating nonstop for the last, I'd say, 28 hours. But uh, right before we hopped on here, I, I hopped on Twitter. This little inform- piece of information almost makes up for that. But I saw we are just 60 days away from our first preseason game against the Rams on August 14th. That has me excited. My palms are still sweating, but I'm, I'm, I'm still I'm at least excited. So we got a couple of things coming up. We've got the Rams preseason game. I think we have a scrimmage against the 49ers. We have the San Francisco uh, uh, preseason game, which is technically a home game. And then I forget who they play week three, but everything it's coming fast, man. Yeah, I just had it up, but it, it's coming together. We just had mini camp, and it is so mandatory exciting. mini camp. And guess what? Everybody was there. Full People are attendance. buying in. It's crazy. It's crazy to see instantly from day one. Everybody, all the pros, um, instantly buying into the Staley staff. It's it's great to see because there was so much disconnect from players. Uh, you know, I had Desmond King basically ran out of town. Um, it's, it's nice to see the, the, un, the unity there. So this is going to be like the first year we haven't had any contract holdouts and usually it typically starts right around this time. Um, you know, but once you get into camp, I don't see a single contract on the chargers roster that could become an issue. Uh, everybody's signed except for our first round pick. Uh, he's the only unsigned rookie right now. Um, but I don't see any contract disputes or anything of that nature, which is going to feel like it feels like the first time in a long time. You had had Melvin Ingram. You've had Joey Bosa hold out. Um, you even had the whole Desmond King issue, right? And it mm-hmm. seems like this is going to be the first year without any drama. So far, yeah, seamless. Seamless transition so far. I just wanted to get into some pads and 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 actually see some football football drills ran from these football players. They haven't played in so long. I, I we've had so many injuries, COVID, uh, COVID people not playing. I just want to see our team all together. It's coming together, and it's exciting to see. So today was mandatory mini uh, camp for the Chargers. Uh, day two, they're only doing two days. We're also going to talk about edge defenders and defensive tackles. It looks like we're going to push linebackers off to next week. And then a little bit on media day. So media day was yesterday. Uh, these are typically the photos and videos that are going to be seen on game day. You know, the uh, the pregame warmups and it pans in, the camera pans in on Justin Herbert. He's flipping a ball in slow motion, right? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he does that whole thing, right? So all of those photos that you typically see when you're sitting down um, on the couch on game day, uh, those player interviews, things of that nature, those all those photos were done the other day. That's You'll see on social media um, all the different photos that they were taking. And if you follow uh, the Chargers' Instagram account, their Facebook page, whatever it is, 
uh, you'll see some snaps uh, of, of all of that. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And then, like we were talking about, uh, mandatory minicamp just happened. Drew Brees was there today. That was an exciting face, right? Yeah, I'd love to see Drew out there. And really, really excited to hear what he had to say about Herbert. Um, Some of the quotes I've seen coming out talking about Herbert being having the best skill set he's seen at the quarterback position coming from a hall of famer like breeze with all the records to his name. Um, that's really, really high praise. It's really high praise. And it's also kind of exciting because it's mm-hmm. the same offense. Yeah. It's the same offense. Well, that's I mean, such good. That's such good karma to hear early on from the recently retired future hall of fame quarterback and somebody that, you know, Charger fans, they love Drew Brees. And he was only love here Drew for Brees. four years. And the amounts, like, he still he still seems to be in San Diego all the time. I know he lives in Del Mar. Um, and, you know, this. there's been multiple years where we've had scrimmages against the Saints. Um, you know, he's still been very much involved with the organization. He's still signing yeah. Chargers memorabilia. Uh, it's fun, man. Fun. And then even picking backing off that. Jared Cook's coming out saying he thinks that this Chargers offense is a little more talented than the ones in New Orleans. I, I think that's a little beating the chest kind of I'm here now, so I'm going to pump up my teammates. I, I don't know if he fully believes that, but he at least said it. So, Well, let's get into Jared Cook interview, right? So Jared Cook, he called the Chargers offense high power, and he believes that this team has the better wide receiver talent than they already had last year in New Orleans, right? So the Saints wide receiver room included 
Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, Lil Jordan Humphrey. By the way, the coolest name ever, Lil Jordan. That's his legal <laughs> name. And then Juwan Johnson, who uh, was Justin Herbert's wide receiver at, at uh, Oregon. The Chargers wide receiver room is Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton, Tyrone Johnson, and then you got the the trio, Joe Reed, KJ Hill, and Austin Prohl. How do you see those two, I guess, matching up? Like you look at Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen, right? Pretty similar players in terms of production. Emmanuel Sanders is probably one of the, the best wide receivers to come out of the AFC in a while there. He had a good stretch there with the Broncos. He was on fire. He had a lot of good quarterbacks throwing him the ball, but nothing against Emmanuel Sanders. He he played at extremely high level for that that stretch there. He was very, very good. I think he's dropped off a little talent-wise. He's, he's getting up there. He's been in the league forever, but he's still very, like very productive. He's years old. Yeah, that's old for a receiver. That is um, old for a receiver. But, you know, he's still exciting to watch. I, I think he killed the Chargers last year for like a hundred and like 40 yards or something like that. He's good at that. He seems to have a, well, and when he was at Denver, he would have two of his best games of the year against us. And now at least it was only one last season, but he's, he's a tough guy to, to defend even, even at 33 years old. So you compare Emmanuel Sanders to Mike Williams. You take Mike Williams because Mike Williams is younger, but who's more productive right now? Well, they're, they're so they're so different. Uh, they are, but I mean, th- just purely production. Who is more productive today? Well, I think if you asked me this, if you were asking me last season, I'd probably roll the. I'd probably roll with Emmanuel Sanders. This season, I, I think the upside is a little bit bigger for Mike Williams. He's tr- he's young. It, I, I think the he's trending the, up. He's the, trending he's trending up. up. Sanders is trending down, and I think this is the year that we're going to kind of see. I think Williams kind of surpasses at Sanders this season. And then you look at the next, I guess I'll call it the trio, right? Traquan Smith, Deontay Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey. None of those guys are, I know Traquan was like a second round pick a few seasons ago. He just hasn't really panned out. You know, you look at their next three and, and our next, you know, really like six. Yeah. With Palmer, Guyton, Johnson, Hill, Prohl, and Reed. I mean, that's a we're, we already got into it a few episodes ago. It's a very, very competitive that that camp battle is going to be exciting to watch at wide receiver for the Chargers. And I think that's where we get the the, you know, Jared Cook coming out and saying that he thinks this wide receiver room is more talented. I think it's just more competitive overall. There's a lot of guys that that could see some significant snaps this season. And we've been talking about it. That, that training camp battle is going to be insane. There's like eight guys that could legit make the roster at the wide receiver position. I'm excited to see it. I know uh, f- as far as punt returners go, mm. uh, the players that were returning punts for the mandatory mini camp was Palmer, Guyton, Johnson, and Hill. No Joe Reed. Joe Reed was not returning any punts, which is a little concerning because I feel like that's an area of his game that he needs to improve if he's planning on making this team as a special teamer. Yeah. So no Joe Reed returning punts. It was Hill, Johnson, Guyton, and Palmer. Hmm. The other thing that Jared Cook was talking about is he called himself a sounding board 
to this tight end group. And he specifically named Trey McKitty as, you know, a player who's already excelling and he already understands the offense and he's way ahead of the curve in terms of knowledge of the offense, Good, which is really good to see from a very, very young player. A young player who we thought coming in is very one dimensional, right? We thought he was only going to be blocking run blocking, but that is, that is very good sign. Possibly that he could be catching some passes a lot sooner than we, than anybody anticipated. You know, it's, it's definitely pointing to the right direction for his trajectory because this we've already talked about it plenty of times. It's it's going to be a very complicated offense to learn. And if he's already, you know, surpassing expectations, you know, maybe not talent wise, we're not watching him running full speed or anything like that, but this is all about the mental part of it. Yeah. And that was going to be the hard part of learning this offense was the mental, the play calls. And he seems to understand what's going on and why it's happening. So that's encouraging. And I'm, I'm excited to see that parlay into training camp. Well, and it, it just seems like that mindset is a lot more common on this Charger team. The mentality of, I, I want to get the extra work in. I want to be there. I want to be there with my teammates getting better. It's a common theme. It's a common theme from all the young players to the even the uh, guys who've been in the league for 10 plus years. Everyone wants to get better. The excitement around this team is unbelievable. I'm so, so juiced. You know, in every single interview that I watched, there was eight total interviews for a mandatory mini- minicamp. To get into those players real quick, we just talked about Jared Cook being one of them. But you've also had uh, Corey Lindsley, Drew Tranquil, Chris Harris Jr., uh, Brandon Staley today, Justin Herbert today, uh, Joey Bosa today, and I forget who the last, uh, maybe maybe Chen and Nwosu. But everybody's been asked about the, I guess, like, what is the mentality of, that everyone is having? And it just seems like everybody is bought in and everybody feels like a new atmosphere, new energy. Yeah. You know, and, and part of that's probably the new coaching staff. The other part of it is I, I think with COVID and everything that had gone on with that last season and the fact that there wasn't really a, a training camp last season, not, not a real one, right. It's very modified. You know, this is kind of getting back to normal for everybody. And it's just encouraging because there's that additional, you know, motivation of having that new coach and everybody just seems bought in and it's just exciting and it's new. And I guess I just haven't seen it in like two years is is what it amounts to so it's, it's exciting uh Corey Lindsley said that communication is coming together really well and there's a big emphasis on that particular with the offensive line right now uh, he's excited for the O-line dinners and getting some brewskis don't worry Corey Lindsley I'll say it for you because I know you you you, you were <laughs> you didn't want to say he, he's excited to get beers with the offensive line but uh he did call them beverages uh, and ultimately, it just shows that, you know, that camaraderie within the offensive line group. And it's exciting to, to see, you know, everybody's meshing together. I feel like, you know, Feeler, uh, Lindsley and Bulaga are just going to be very fun, interesting guys together. And then you're going to have Slater as that young guy coming in. And then uh, Abushi, I just don't know anything about. He hasn't been around, so I don't know. But um, I, I definitely see that group coming together and being a, a you know, a close knit group, which you need for the offensive line, right? You, you need it. They, they all need to be on the same page. And the fact that they are working on it now 
it, it only bodes well for the the offense as a whole moving forward. Uh, the next interview was with Drew Tranquil. So Drew said that he is fully healthy from his broken ankle last season. Uh, he is running full speed. He's having no lingering issues or complications. And then he was asked about his impressions of the new defensive scheme. Yeah. He said that there's going to be lots of communication pre-snap and post-snap. That post-snap communication is a hard part, right? Because after that ball is snapped, you have to be able to still communicate with those around you um, for things like crossers over the middle or, or whatnot. Um, so he's saying that's a bit challenging. That's a little bit different than it was last season. He is going to be playing more downhill. The scheme puts players uh, in favorable matchups, so he's not going to get lined up one-on-one with Tyreek Hill again, which uh, it's not a, not a good thing. But it seems like, you know, his role is going to be to play the run first, which as a linebacker is typically always your job, but uh, you can play it more aggressively in, in this style of defense. Uh, which is good because that's what linebackers are supposed to do, right? Linebackers are supposed to tackle. That's what linebackers do. And, you know, he can be a little more aggressive at that, him and uh, Kenneth Murray. How many punts do you think he's blocking this season? I don't know if he's going to play special teams. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. He's a starter. I think they brought in more than enough special teams players yeah, to come a lot in. Of- but he was so good that first season. He was season. so good at it. He was so good at it. <laughs> but I'm with you, though. Big injury last year. He is very, very important to the long-term success of, I think, this football team. I think he's one of the core pieces. So I I, I guess I'm with you to fa- favoring his health. But he was so fun to watch on that. He was. He's so teams. athletic, dude. He's yeah. such an athletic guy. And, you know, the Chargers actually did bring in somebody – uh, who is super athletic. We'll get into him next week, but he's an undrafted free agent, hint, hint. He was also the first undrafted free agent that the Chargers signed, hint, hint. Uh, he's a guy that's super athletic that I'm excited to talk about next week. Uh, in the Brandon Staley press conference, dude, he just he just oozes confidence, and he just oh, yeah. comes off as very intelligent. I could listen to him talk football all day long. And did you see the video of him uh... – at the end of camp or at the end of practice, breaking, having breaking the, everybody down. And he, you know, he has everybody's ear, every word, everybody's is hanging on to every word he says. He demands respect every, every, he's just every a aspect. communicator, dude. And he, in the way that he talks to the media, you know, something that really stands out to me is he's calling every single one of those reporters by their first name every single time. Right. And it's just like, you know, it's attention to detail. But he's just such a good communicator and he just he seems so intelligent and he just knows his stuff. And it it really just comes off that way. And I, I just love listening to him talk, man, because it's he doesn't it's not like Anthony Lynn or Shane Steichen or, you know, it's he's just and I'm not saying Anthony Lynn was a bad communicator. That's actually one of the draws to him. But nothing about Anthony Lynn was just like got you fully bought in right the way that it does with Brandon Staley and maybe it's just the new coach vibes I don't know but they I just to, love listening to him talk man you you could easily chop up some Staley interviews and make it a football ASMR for football fans across the board I think people will just plug that in and listen to him because the guy just knows football and I'd love like to football, hear him break down film dude like yeah. I would love to see him 
You know, I, I remember last year, uh, Gus Bradley had done like a small little series. It was like a three minute clip where he was breaking down a player that they had just drafted. I think it might've been Kenneth Murray. I would love to watch Brandon Staley just break down film. Right. And just like, try to like, like, I want to see that man. Like, yeah, I think it would like be the, super interesting. Like the Gruden coach camp, the the Gruden QB coach camps are, those were always a cool, I always like those series. Cause it, it, it just like a different perspective from a guy who knows what he's talking about. I like to think I do, but he actually does. So in his interview, he had talked about his defense being 90% installed already, which is super, super fast. So while that, what that tells me is that there isn't a lot to learn. It's the communication part that's, that's hard to like catch and catch on to. But as far as like roles and responsibilities, it's not very uh, in-depth. It's not very confusing. It's installed, and the only things that adjustments that are going to need to be made are on a week by week basis. Those game plan uh, changes, so you know players know their roles and their responsibilities at least on paper that they do. And then come game day, come training camp, uh, it's just proving that you know what to do and that you can do what you're supposed to do in this defense. But everybody should know what to do, which is enticing already because we only had two days of mandatory mini camp and then OTAs, the offense and the defense was pretty much installed. Moving um, very fast. In matter of fact, they, they could have had an extra mini camp and they decided that they only needed two, which is interesting. Uh, Daniel Popper asked an awesome question. What have you learned about your team during OTAs? And then he responded, he said, he loves the makeup of our guys. Uh, he believes this team has the makeup to go places that are hard to win and in difficult environments and compete. He said, mental toughness is something that you have to learn from a win or from a loss. It doesn't matter which one you can learn from both. The makeup of this team is important in learning the identity that you have the talent to win every game. This team has that makeup. I feel like you learn more of that in training camp. You know, when when you're conditioning, when you're trying to play through the end of practice and play strong, I feel like you learn that identity. He believes he's learned it in OTAs. Maybe that's just coach talk. Maybe that's just interview talk. Uh, but if he says that he sees it, I'm going to go ahead and believe him. Yeah, well, at this point, he hasn't given us any reason to doubt him. I'm going to trust him until he gives me a, a one reason not to. And so far, he has not. Benefit of the doubt. The last thing that I took away from his 30-minute interview is that he's really challenging Justin Herbert intellectually. He's doing it with different looks on defense, play calling. He's just challenging him to be better from the mental side of the game because that's the that's going to be the hard part of this offense is the mental part of it. So he's doing everything he can to really just, uh, challenge Justin Herbert in ways that Justin Herbert probably hasn't been challenged before. So that's exciting to learn and to see. Justin Herbert had an interview. I didn't really get to watch a whole lot of it, but we had already talked about Drew Brees being at, at practice, and he's already talking about how he's going to be picking Drew Brees' brain a little bit over these next couple of weeks because the players do have it off. What do you think there is to learn from Drew Brees? How do you answer that question? There's everything. Like, if you're, if you're Justin Herbert, 
right? Oh, what am I looking what, for? What are you looking for? Like, what, how are you going to to try to draw as much information as you can in a single month? Where Where are you going to do it? Are you going to do it in the film room? Like, how, how I, are you how are you going about it? I think you just you become his clone for that week or two weeks and hang out with him every day. You have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with him, three snacks. Uh, I think you just don't leave the guy alone. Even when you're not talking football, you're talking football. And I think just hanging out with him, I think at this point, just hanging out with him, I think it just needs to be around him. And you're going to pick up on the little things here and there. And I, I, I love that this friendship is developing. Now it's two Hall of Famers, uh, Dan Fouts and now Drew Brees, that have kind of attached themselves to Justin Herbert. It's only going to make him better. And it's really, really exciting to see as a Chargers fan. You know what I'm looking at is... How does Drew Brees prepare? I'm I'm trying to get into his schedule. I'm trying to learn like during this period between, you know, OTAs and training camp, like how did you prepare yourself for that, right? A lot of the hard part of an NFL season is preparing your body for, you know, a 16, 17, 18, hopefully, you know, a 20 uh, 20 game season because you're going that far into the playoffs. How are you preparing yourself? playing the quarterback position to be able to, to do that. Well, I'm looking at, at things nine. like, yeah. And he's a small guy. Exactly. Right. His punishment is going to be a little bit different than Justin Herbert's punishment. Sure. But I'm, I'm definitely looking at things like, like nutrition, right? I'm picking mm-hmm. his brain about the little things because I know the playbook and stuff. That's that stuff will come. I'm trying to learn how to prepare myself for an NFL season mentally, physically, just your general health, right? Yeah. You know, that those are things that I think I would try to learn from from Drew, Drew Brees. The fact that he's willing the first year he's away from the game, he's willing to go and mentor a guy. You, you love to see it. Drew Brees, you know, is going to be around the game for a long time to come. So it, it, it doesn't it's not that surprising, but it's good. It's nice to see that he uh, coupled himself with the Chargers again. Justin Herbert was also asked question like how how do you block out some of that media noise some of that pressure right because let's be real Justin Herbert has a lot of expectations of him next season and people are going to expect him to play better right to to improve while other people like PFF think he's going to regress and he just says he leans on family friends teammates and coaches and he blocks out all outside noise that aren't those four groups of people it really just shows his maturity. If you listen to Justin Herbert talk, he's he's very mature, right? It's all about we're gonna, you know, we're gonna learn from this, we're gonna get better. I'm gonna go watch the film and we're just gonna get better as a team. He doesn't call out any other players. He's very, very professional. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. And I can't wait to see what he does with an offensive line. Jesus. Oh my gosh. He did talk about areas he needs to improve in. Number one being defensive recognition, uh, some things like you know safety rotating in and up, uh, different you know four three three four alignments and how those kind of show themselves. He also says his feel in the pocket, you know, stepping up when you know the tackle is riding the edge defender to the outside. And if you saw a lot of what issues Justin Herbert had with his. Uh, accuracy last season it's because he throws off his back foot and he's able to do it more accurately than you know some other players are able to do it but there's a lot of times where he wasn't able to just step up and really deliver that ball with 
you know, some umph because he's stepping into the throw. He's doing it all because of arm strength. So it's, it's good that he understands some of his shortcomings as a very young player. And he's already working on those things to, to improve those things. Next, we're going to get into the defensive line. Let's start with our defensive player of the year candidate, Joey Bosa. What are your thoughts on Joey Bosa? I love Joey Bosa. Absolutely amazing to watch during his first five seasons in the league. Uh, I think he has 47 and a half sacks and 68 tackles for the loss so far. Um, I I think it's a little important to, to note that a lot of that production happened with Melvin Ingram on the other side of the line. But yeah. There's going to be a lot more attention on Joey Bosa this season, but I think he can handle it. He's the best player on our team, and we're going to be as good as Joey Bosa is this season. He's the best overall player we got, one of the best overall players in the in the league. I think he's a top 10 NFL player regardless of position. He's he, definitely in that realm, right? And that's why he is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He has the fifth best odds to win that award behind Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and Nick Bosa. And the fact that Nick Bosa ranks ahead of him with only a single year uh, <laughs> playing in the NFL is ridiculous. I'm sure he's probably giving his little brother shit for that. Or at least his, his little brother's giving him some shit for that. But, I mean, he's a two-time first-team All-Pro. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. And as a pass rusher... He is unstoppable. They really struggle to contain Joey Bosa off the edge. I mean, when he's on, there's no, but there's not a lot of people like him. Um, Really excited for Joey Bosa. I I don't, I think Aaron Donald at this point is is just a runaway for defensive player of the year for the next five seasons because that guy's just amazing. But Bosa has the skill set to at least rival him and give him a run for his money. Where Aaron Donald separates himself is there aren't a lot of players from the interior that are able to get pressure the way that he does. Where there's a lot off triple teams. There's a lot of guys that are coming off the edge that are getting, you know, let's be real. The the defensive player of the year is a stats based award. It's a sacks based award or an interception based award, right? That's why, why Stephon Gilmore won it, you know, two years ago. But Bosa's never had that 18, 19, 20 sack season, and he's due Mm-mm. for one. He is. And he's got the coach to put him in position to do that. They're going to be running blitzes, which are going to get him singled up off the edge. He's he's one of the most elite talents at just get off, getting hands off of him. He was the fifth highest graded defender in the entire NFL last season, according to PFF and the third best edge rusher uh, behind Khalil Mack and TJ Watt. Dude just is able to get to the quarterback. He wrecks havoc, and he does it when they know that he's just coming off the edge hard. And he just beats his man time in and time out. It's it's really incredible to, to watch him do what he's able to do. Uh, he's really improved as a run defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an 83.1 run defense grade, which ranks seventh among all edge rushers. He was credited with 21 stops. Um, the dude just wrecks havoc in a way that is hard to replicate. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I expect huge, huge year from Joey Bosa. I mean, you said it. He has one of swim move and his spin move are one of the best in the game. And when, when he's coming full speed, it's very, very hard to get in that man's way. His his swim move in particular is oh man, 
it's unbelievable. He just has, he just knows how to get hands off of him. Yeah. Right. And I wouldn't even see it's a spin move, right? Because he's more of like a power rusher or just fast off the edge. He's not going to shake anybody. I wouldn't no. say, necessarily say it's as much of a spin. It's not like a white spin move. No. But, but his pursuit, right? He doesn't give up. He's a high motor guy. He changes an offense's game plan. Offenses paid a lot of attention to him last season because the rest of our defense was banged up. So getting all of our other pieces around him in this defense is it's gonna light it's gonna open him up. The other guys are gonna see a lot more one-on-one matchups. It's it's gonna be very, very exciting to watch in 2021. If you had to say there is an area he needs to improve, what do you think it is that would make Joey Bosa the, the defensive player of the year? What does he need to do to to get that award? I think he needs at least 18 and a half sacks. I think that's a sack number. Now, I don't know because it's I don't penalties, know. bro. <laughs> you, I know it's not a whole a big thing, but he he is he's overzealous at, at rushing the passer at times, and he gets caught with the hard count because he'll jump off sides. Right? He drops off sides a lot. He does right, and then number two, the only thing limiting him is his health. Hmm. He's got so many soft tissue injuries yeah you know and if you look it's like (laughs) you remember seeing him play with that thing on on his um on his oh yeah elbow tricep or whatever yeah Yeah, like he had that injury he had the lower leg injury last year i mean by by the time the chargers got their bye week last year at like week six like super early he was like begging like i need this i need this to get healthy I mean, I remember there was a game last season where he only came in for like, you know, third in shorts or like, you know, like obviously passing situations that it was like you need him because it's fourth and 20. His health has been a really big issue. It's not like he's like tearing his ACL or anything. There's soft tissue injuries. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them he's playing can even play through. But yeah, he's not the same guy. And when he does, when you get him in for those 10 plays, because that's that's all he's going to play this week, he's going to give you everything he's got for those 10 plays. He's a def- And that's, I think, also plays into it. He's such a competitor. He's not going to let you know about it. And the only time the coaching staff finds out is when, you know, he... He's noticeably, like, hurt. Like Yeah, right. You know, I, re- I think for that one game I'm talking about where he played, like, 10 plays, I think he had, like, two sacks. On 10 rushes. Which I is, believe it. The dude produces when he's out there. He's What are you drinking there? I switched it up today and went Pacifico, my other favorite cerveza from the Pacific. Oh, nice. Nice. I just saw and I just figured I should, uh, I don't know, we'll call this an ad read, right? <laughs> so I'm drinking something called Dreamsicle. It's an orange vanilla hazy IPA. Uh, it's 8.5%, so I'm, I'm already buzzing a little bit. So... Yeah, I just saw the beard. I just figured we'd just stop for a quick ad read. Dreamsicle. Sure. I don't know what the brewery is. Uh, Duck, Duck Claw Brewing. Never heard of Maryland. it. Sounds then great. Then we got the Pacifico. <laughs> Classic. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. 
Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. On to our next edge rusher, Uchenna Nwosu. Uh Yeah. We're both high on Uchenna Nwosu. What What are your expectations for Uchenna in a contract year? Well, I think with him, you know, dissecting the, the Leonard Floyd tape, I, I don't see why he can't really replicate almost – very close to uh, what Leonard Floyd did last season. Ten and I, a half sacks, I think he had. Last year for Floyd? Floyd yeah. last So Floyd had his best year last year with 12 and a half sacks, 55 tackles, 19 quarterback hits, and 15 total pressures. I think for Nwosu, my kind of prediction is his first double-digit sack year, I think he gets 10 and a half. I think he had 60 tackles, 20 QB hits, and 16 tackles for loss. That's my prediction for Nwosu. And I'm I'm ready to see it from him. You know, he I he's think been... protections are gonna shift over to Bosa's side, and that's gonna yeah. free up Nwosu quite a bit. And I think Nwosu is gonna make people pay. So he was drafted in the second round of the 2018 draft at a USC. He was very young. He was only barely 21. He's currently 24 years old, so he's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. And he's been very, very productive when he's been on the field. Yeah. Last year. He's one of the NFL's most productive edge rushers off the edge, and he didn't play very much, right? He had 27 pressures and 195 pass rush attempts with five sacks. Like, he generated a pressure like 13.8% of his entire pass rush snaps, right? He generated a win, not necessarily a pressure, but he beat his man in 17.5% of his pass rush snaps. His productivity graded ranked 14th in the entire NFL. Imagine that kind of production if he would have played as a starter, which he should have because he outperformed Melvin Ingram. He did. I was just looking at his career stats, 45 career games, and his defensive snaps being under 40% of all of those total defensive snaps. He appeared in less than 40% of them. Still, total. Why did Gus Bradley hate Uchenna Nwosu as much as he did? Why? I don't get it. He's a likable guy. You've heard him in interviews. He went to USC, which is, you know, I love USC. Everybody loves USC. If you're from California and you're not a USC fan, you're very strange. (laughs) Let's be real, though, right? Like, he's a USC, and while USC isn't putting out the prospects that they were in, you know, 2005 to 2010, you know, my era of playing, you know, high school football, what what is it about Uchenna Nwosu that just didn't fit this defense under Gus Bradley? Who who knows? I I think maybe maybe you look at the size. He is definitely an outside linebacker over a D end, but that's yeah. exactly why I think he's going to be such a stud in this this offense. And he is we, so explosive off the line. Oh man, we talked about the production. You could look at the numbers; they speak for themselves. And that was all behind Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Ingram is gone. 
He's the developmental phase for Nwosu is over. He is now the starter on that opposite of Joey Bosa, and he's going to be fully unleashed. Uh, I think he's going to sign a $15 million a year contract next season. You think he's that good? I, I think he's that good. He's gonna he's gonna get a huge payday. Something you think of like Trey Hendrickson with the Saints last season, who just signed. I think he signed with the Vikings up for like a fifteen million a year contract. Leonard Floyd just signed a fifteen million dollar a year contract, right? If you're getting over ten sacks, you're getting a big payday. Yeah, because you're generating I, pressure. Yeah, and I think that's he has fifty nine quarterback pressures in forty five career games. He gets after the, but you can't even go by number of games. You have to go by number of snaps, it's right? Snaps. Because he's not he's not playing very many snaps, but he's generating all this pressure, and he's super underrated as a run defender. When you watch Uchenna Nwosu tape, right, you see him get his hands on defenders. He creates extension and he rips and he gets defenders off of him. He is so technically sound, and he's not given the credit that he deserves. Oh, he's no. really, really good in run support. He's well, got he a is, high motor. I, I love Uchenna Nwosu. He's absolutely going to feast on one-on-one matchups and the team's lesser of two tackles. He is just going to absolutely eat because he is definitely has the talent to be double-teamed on He's so instinctive too, man. He's he's. I remember a game last year. I don't remember who it was against, but I remember he was rushing the passer, and he had his whole shoulder dipped, right? And you could feel that it was a screen, and he peeled off to the screen, and he stopped it for like a like an eight yard loss, right? And it's just like little things, right? That that you see from a, a young player who was only you know twenty two, twenty three years old at the time. You project him for who he is today at 24 years old to who he will be at 27 and how much better he's gotten in that time frame. He switched positions. He used to be the, the team's Sam linebacker. Yeah. He moved to like an edge like midway through his, his sophomore season because they wanted to, I don't know, maybe Gus Bradley felt he was uh, lacking depth at the defensive end position because there's no way I, I would have put him at edge at his size when they put him there. He I think it was the just, way. they just needed somewhere to get him snaps because he was just so productive. They want, And that was kind of just the default place to get him reps. I, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. He should have been playing. He was drafted as a positionless player. He played near yeah. the line of scrimmage, right? And he kind of played that, I don't know, that spy role in, in college, right? Well, that and there was talk that we were going to have him take over as the Adrian Phillips when he left in that dime, that hybrid role. It, but he's not a coverage guy. No, no, no. He's a pursuit, you know, pursuit guy. And to be honest, I, I, I saw the Melvin Ingram uh, comparison there, right? As, as that smaller guy that was able to kind of do a little bit of everything, but there's no way you're going to throw him at defensive tackle, right? No. But still, I still I saw a play of him today, and I, I forget. Oh, it was Orlando Brown. He just oh my bulldozed. gosh, yes, you saw that bulldoze the, the the turnover. The he slapped the ball out of um, Lamar Jackson's hand, right, and, yeah. and caused that turnover. He yeah. did that was his rookie season. Yeah, very very raw. A lot better than that now. Um, I and now he gets to play that guy two times a year. I'm excited to see that. I'm just I have such high hopes for him he does have some things he needs to improve number one you know there is another scheme change so he's going to be changing his 
his stance and his role, he's going to be dropping in coverage a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, and he's going to be playing spy at time. He He's already talked about in his interview that he needs to lose a little bit of weight to, you know, be able to play more in coverage and, and be more dynamic in, in, in his new role. So that is something to watch for. The only other thing that I really don't like about Yuchin and Oosun is I, I never feel like he fully developed his tools as a pass rusher. He was kind of that one trick pony is just like, you know, get off and go and, and win, win around the edge. I never saw him with like some sort of spin move or, you know, being able to cross face or be able to bull rush. Yeah. I never saw him further develop. Right. I think he's very good at his tool set. And I think as a role player, he's very good at his role. I thought spending time under Melvin Ingram, he would learn all those tools Melvin Ingram used to have, right? Melvin Ingram has one of the sickest spin moves, which he learned from Dwight Freeney for the year that Dwight Freeney was with the Chargers, right? Where you go and you slap that that hand and you go and you do that spin and you dip and you shoulder. It's nasty. It is nasty. And then also that, that sidestep where you're, you're, you start off as an oh, yeah. edge and you're coming off hard off the edge and you plant with your your outside foot and you come inside, right? And you cross face. And I've never seen him do either of those things very well. No, he's really just going to beat you off the, off the snap, huh? Well, and do you think that is something that he just didn't pick up on or it's something he didn't get enough reps to work on? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a reps thing. I just know he's super athletic. He's fast. He's an athlete. And it's surprising to me that he didn't learn moves that a guy his size should be good at. Yeah. I I think what does bode well for him is his ability to play multiple positions. We're going to be changing a lot of fronts. And there's so many guys like him who who don't really have a set position and kind of reinventing themselves. I, I expect some big things from him establishing himself as our our number two pass rusher behind Bosa. For sure. He definitely has the ability to do that. He's also in a contract year, so he's got a lot to Mm. play for. You know, Leonard Floyd, we just talked about his contract. He just signed a four-year, $64 million contract. There's no reason to think that if he doesn't have a similar year to that, uh, that of Leonard Floyd, he he could end up having a similar contract list next season. Well, if not Uh, more because of the, the age. He's a young guy. Very true. You know, you see him sign a, you know, a six-year contract or a sure. five-year contract. Behind him on the depth chart will be Kyler Fackrell. Uh, Kyler Fackrell is listed at 6'5", 245 pounds. He's a very light player. He signed as a rotational pass rusher, but he's also going to be a core special teamer. Yeah. He's been very productive as a pass rusher at least for one season in 2018 where he had 10 and a half sacks on just 243 pass rush snaps. Now he did drop in that production. He has six sacks combined over the last two seasons. And he did start nine of 12 games last year. Um, I I just, I really like him as that, that rotational piece. I really like him as a backup. Uh, we'll see just how much of that role that he ends up playing next season, you know, um, snap percentage if he's playing like an 80 20 to that of Uchan and Owosu or if it's closer to like a 60 40 I don't, I don't really know what are your thoughts on Kyler Fackrell well I, I like it from a depth standpoint and like a mentoring standpoint 
you know, we have a very, very young linebacking core. So I think adding fact role, you, you get a solid veteran presence. He's been in the league for six years and, you know, linebacker is a very instinctual position. It's a lot of reading and reacting and being in the league that long. There's some things you kind of pick up. So I, I feel like just that mentor, his ability to mentor the young guys, I think that's going to be very valuable. You said that he's going to have tremendous upside as a special teamer. Maybe we will see him in the pass rush rotation, but I, I really just see him as a guy to, a, a, a productive substitute to keep Bosa and Nwosu fresh. But besides that, I, I don't see much else from, from Fackrell. Let's be, let's, let's remember, right. We call them edge, right. Let's put our Brandon Staley hats on edge, right. So, you know, outside linebackers, edge, defensive ends, edge, however you want to call it in this defense, they're called edge, right. But if you look at the value that you signed Kyler Fackrell to, to he only signed a one year, $1.5 million contract. So it's, you know, he's playing for something. He's playing for that bigger payday. You, you know, somebody's going to go in and pick him up next season on some limited snaps. He's going to play. Uh, he's got real value to special teams, though. He played over 200 snaps each season from 2016 to 2019. And he has the athleticism to play every phase of the kicking game. Kick return, punt return, you know, kickoff or punt. He's, he's going to play on all those different units. He's only 245 pounds. He's he's athletic, right? He's able to get downfield. And he's one of those veterans that was signed to play special teams, which is important to the improvement of this unit overall. And if you look at Super Bowl rosters, there's a lot of Kyle Fackrell types, right? Journeymen that haven't, you know, maybe maybe not known in every household, but still produce while they're on the field and do the little things, the special teams, the small things. There, there's value in, in having a veteran like that. So I, I, I like the fact we'll signing. We got another one actually plays cornerback. His name's Ryan Smith. We'll talk about him uh, next week. Our other edge rusher, we just drafted in the fourth round, Chris Rump, 6'3", 245. What do you got to tell me about Chris Rump? Well, I, I definitely a raw player that needs some developing, but that dude is all energy and all athleticism, crazy explosive, long arms, tremendous short area quickness. He checks all the boxes you want when looking to draft for a new NFL pass rusher, except he doesn't really have the NFL pass rush arsenal, not a whole lot of moves, but I'm not so worried about that because what he does do well is he doesn't give up. He's a high energy guy and he's, he's an effort of, player. I call him an yeah. effort player. He's definitely been one of the highlights at camp. You know, pe- people, coaches, players they keep talking about him. They keep talking about him. And I think that work ethic, he keeps coming to camp with that mentality. He's going to pick up a move or two. Um, and the you athleticism know, like is amazing. Him. I like him already because he's already turned into that locker room guy. I'm, yeah. I'm hearing coaches talk about People him. People love him. players bring him up, right? He's a guy that's good for the locker room. He's always got that smile on his face. He's he's kind of like last year's Joshua Kelly, right? Because everybody loved Joshua Kelly in camp. They loved him through the draft process. Yeah, Chris Rump is that, that guy, right? And part of building a Super Bowl roster is – you know, having the right players on your roster, guys that, you know, help help the rest of the team buy in, right? Yeah. It's always nice to have that guy when things start to suck, you know, he's cracking jokes in the background and, yeah. and bringing that motivation in, right? It's, it's good to have guys like that, locker room guys that 
So. Well, it, it, there's nothing more demoralizing. I remember in high school making plays, being so excited, coming to the sideline just to have my friend or just to have the teammates be like, what What happened? Like they missed it. Like, oh, we you, never had anything like that. You must oh, have played for a bad school, bro. <laughs> I, I did. We used to get hyped. We used to get hyped. No, but it's such a demoralizing feeling. I, I think Rump is, is ways away from taking, you know, serious snaps on the starting with the starting defense. But instant special team contributor and there's you need high energy guys on the sideline you need them. yeah it's you necessary. know it's not just the sideline right it's it's practice right yeah it's you know those guys that that you know motivate others right and he seems to already be that guy based off of the little tidbits we keep hearing mm-hmm. from you know uh some of our veterans even that have been talking yeah. about him he's come up multiple times you already talked about him as a pass rusher. He, he has some tools there to develop. He's an effort type player, though. He's got a lot to develop. Uh, he lacks size, which is going to be mm-hmm. his. The thing that really limits his play the most is his inability to really hold his ground in the run game. Uh, he's going to get sealed off the edge, but he's going to give up room there. He's going to get driven off the ball. And he yeah. just doesn't have the size to really anchor down and really limit and force the play back inside, right? He might be, you know, holding his own as far as outside contain, which is the job of an edge rusher is to contain the edge. But when you're getting driven off the ball, that lane starts to widen and get wider and wider. And that's how you get those big rushing lanes, right? When you're able to you know, outside shoulder or inside shoulder, keep your outside shoulder free and really hold your ground and limit. You're forcing the running back to either bump it outside, which is great. That's what you want as an edge defender because you can come up and wrap up, make the tackle. But when you're not able to seal that and, and hold your own, hold your ground, you're going to open up rushing lanes that are really big. And that's how you get those big 30, 40, 50 yard gains. Uh, yeah. So, He's kind of similar to Melvin Ingram in the way that he was utilized at Duke, right? Because he did play with multiple places on the uh, defensive line. He would line up as like a roaming linebacker that would kind of yeah. rush into the A-gap. He'd rush off the edge, right? He did a lot of stunts and twists. He has a really good knack for just beating the defender inside the gap and just getting the edge, right? Now, his ability to, to stay on his feet and control himself when he got through uh, really limited his his sack numbers because he could have had like 15, 20 sacks last season. But he would get through the line, but he'd be so far off balance that he wouldn't be able to maintain uh, his, his balance and he'd fall. And by then, the quarterback's already getting the ball out of his hands. There's a lot to develop there. I like his tools. He's going to need to gain you know, probably mm-hmm. a good 15 pounds. He's very long. He's very lanky, uh, but he has a lot to develop. He's very toolsy and athletic there. So I'm excited to see his development. I think he's going to see some, some significant playing time, probably something similar to um, uh, whoever was backing up Joey Bosa last year. What was his name? Rochelle. Rochelle. I could see him playing a similar role, role to Isaac Rochelle in terms of like snap percentage. Okay. So, yeah, I, I mean, well, and he's a fourth round pick. You, you, you're not ex, you're not expecting a day one contributor from that. You're giving guy. him de- developmental snaps. That's yeah. what I'll call it. Yeah. And I think he's going to be impressive in, in the, the limited snaps that he gets. 
Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. The other edge rushers we have on the roster, we have Joe Gaziano, uh, Jesse Lemonier, and I don't know what position he's going to play. I'm assuming he might play some edge. He's kind of one of those positionless players. But Amik Egbule, uh, those yeah. are the other primary edge rushers. What are your? Do you have anything to say about these these guys? No. Emergency depth pieces, I think, at this point. I think with the linebacking core, I, I don't see them playing much. I think our our D-line rotation is pretty set, and I think our pass rush rotation is pretty set, and I just don't really see what they offer outside of the guys that we mentioned in the, the D-linemen that we're going to get into here in a second. So other edge rusher I will talk about is Joe Gaziano. Uh, mainly because I see him as the only other edge rusher on the roster that's got some size to him. He's right? big. He's, he is big. He's like 285. He's he's going to be the guy that I see that backs up Joey Bosa to be that big end when you want that, right? So the times that you might mm. want a big end is is when you're playing opposite side of the tight end, right? You, you need somebody else to help seal that edge. Whereas you might have a Sam linebacker on the strong side and you can kind of give up some size because you've got some additional help on that side. Whereas being on the other side of that, that's the only way I see Joe Gaziano um, making the roster. I think that the Chargers might carry five defensive ends. Um, Hmm. We'll get more into that later once we kind of get into training camp and actually try to drill down on our final 53. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. I think Joe Gaziano, uh, from his college tape, I think last year was his rookie season. He did show the ability to get to the edge rusher. I have him kind of as a comp to Max Crosby from the Raiders. Hmm. He's kind of that similar big sizey type guy um, who was productive at Northwestern, I believe. But overall, I, I guess we'll really see if he develops into something more. I do like his skill set at his size. Um, but he he only played in like one or two games last season, and there isn't really a whole lot to take away without you know a preseason or anything like that. Yeah. Next, we've got Linval Joseph, who's our big one tech uh, defensive tackle. I think he's like three hundred and thirty pounds. He's a huge human being. Tell me about Zach. Tell me about Linval Joseph. That is, I think, one of the more underrated parts of this defense. Uh, absolutely absolutely anchored the defense last season, appeared in all 16 games, and I expect really big things from here, him moving forward in his second year with the team. He played every snap. Dude is a beast, and he has the ability to 
collapse the pocket from the interior that we haven't had on the team since like the Jamal Williams days. He is big, commands double teams because he's just a massive human being. You said it, 330 pounds, he's six foot four. He's just a big dude. And I think he's going to have a bit of a resurgence this year. And it's just going to bode well for all the other pass rushers on the team. Him and Bosa are going to command a lot of the attention from the offensive front. And the rest of those guys are just going to feast on those one-on-one matchups, like I said. He really excels against the run, man. Like his ability to take those double teams and hold his ground. Well, and three guys can't move him. He should be out there, you know, blocking levees uh, come hurricane season because he is unmovable. (laughs) Blocking levees. So the one thing that I don't get from, from Linval Joseph anymore is his ability as a pass rusher. Now he does collapse the pocket, right? And he does put yeah. pressure. He does make that pocket much smaller, mm-hmm. but he's no longer getting around and, and actually getting to the quarterback. He had a couple quarterback hits last season, but overall what you're getting from Linval Joseph is somebody who is driving that guard or that center into the lap of the quarterback and not allowing the quarterback to step up, which is tr- real value in that. But yeah. he's no longer the pass rusher he was. He's just a big, dominant guy who's really an immovable object. Yeah. He's super, super strong. If you see this guy, like, he has tree trunks for, like, thighs, dude. He's so big. Massive human being. On top of it, another high-energy, high-motor guy. He's always out there celebrating. He's always out there fist bumping with the other guys. And you, you love to see it. I, I, He's not, you know, there's not very many guys that are 330 pounds that are running sideline to sideline. It doesn't oh no, happen. He's electric. He really is. There's even less who do it over the age of 32. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will point out he didn't have a sack last season. But like you said, he, he demands so much attention. He collapsed the pocket. He's stuff's running lanes that there's a lot of value in his game and I expect big things from him. The chargers drafted Jerry Tillery in the first round of the 2019 NFL draft. His first season was his training camp was cut short due to, to a, um, a shoulder uh, surgery that he had for a torn labrum. Uh, And he just didn't look very good as a rookie. Uh, he looked up much better in 2020 as a pass rusher, specifically as a pass rusher. He looked a lot more explosive. He looked more under control when he's getting off out of his stance. Um, he he was really impressive at the early part of the season. It seemed to dip off as the team yeah. started losing more games. Uh, but overall, he was second on the team in pressures with 35 overall. And he he's really dynamic as a pass rusher and just his ability his get off at his size but he struggles in the run game doesn't he yeah why what what is it about jerry tillery yeah for me i I can't wait for him to put it all together because this unit will be absolutely scary when he when he does figure it out you talked about it the explosive off the line is incredible but for me it's his his situational awareness I've seen it so many times where he blows off the line. He's three yards in the backfield before the O-linemen even get out of their stance. And then he whiffs on the quarterback or he lets the running back run right through his arms. So, so you know, I think, 
You know what I saw him do multiple times his rookie season? That get off where you're saying like, oh, you know, before the offensive lineman even moves, he he's, you know, three hard yards behind the line of scrimmage. Do you know how many draws where they like didn't yeah. even touch him? They let him go and he fell yes. smack onto his face. That's right. And yeah. and just like that, you got completely taken out the defensive tackle and you've got a guard and a center moving their way up to the second level and a running back who's completely untouched because he was so aggressive at getting off and he just falls straight on his face because he's expecting to hit somebody and they literally both of them slap him in their back in his back and he just falls down you know how many times that happened that that, as a rookie those are the exact plays that i'm talking about But, but i think i think the positive is He's shown he can do the hard part, which is to get in the backfield. <laughs> now, now, now it's the simple part. You just got to make the play. So I, I think this year, um, if he could avoid some, of, cut out some of those mental mistakes, you know, sure up his tackling. You're already there. You just make the play. Wrap you up. You know, and make he the play. did though. He shored up so many of his pass rushing issues as a from a rookie to a sophomore season. If yeah. you look at how bad, and I'm sorry, Jerry, but you played terrible as a rookie. And you look at the strikes he made to his second year. Now, there is still a lot to clean up. But if you look at the development from year one to year two, it was like a high school player going to a, you know, a senior season in college. It was like that massive of a production. He improved so much. The area of his game he needs to clean up, though, is his his leverage in his run defense. He's six six. He's Very a tall. tall guy, and it works against him. And it was one of the first things that I pointed out when he was drafted was he's so tall that it's hard for him to get down low. We talked about it with Donald Parham last week. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the ability to get down and get leverage, and it really, really affects his ability to anchor down in the run game. Part of his job as a defensive tackle He's playing the three tech, so he plays in the B gap, right? But his ability to hold his ground and not widen the running lanes, right? You look at those zones or those gap, uh, those gap rushing plays, right? You got to be able to hold your ground and not give up very much room. And he gets blasted because he's standing straight up or he, he doesn't understand leverage. Maybe he's still learning his body type a little bit. He, he's just not got that ability to really get down low, hold my ground and prevent the rushing lane from widening. Like you said, though, he, he keeps getting better. And I think he has to be one of the players that Staley looked at and was super stoked about getting into Los Angeles because there's a lot, toolsy. a lot to develop there. I think he's going to be fully unlocked, if not this season, very, very shortly playing under Staley. I do. I do believe he is. I do like Jerry Chil- Tillery's pre- projection as far as like a player already mm-hmm. I, he's gonna be good man he's gonna be just fine it's just gonna take so. some time because also defensive tackle is not an easy position to learn at all it's just yeah. not you know there's a lot more that you have to understand and and we're, we haven't even got into technique right like his ability to get hands off of him him swimming you know um stunting like you know, those are things, and I don't think he stunted very often last season anyways. You know, there's there's a lot that the defensive line needs to learn, and he's learning a new defense while doing all of that at the same time. So 
His trajectory looks good, though, and I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's a bust or anything near a bust. It's just no. it's developing. No, still, still, still very early. I think you put a lot of expectation on him because of where he was drafted. But he can you know, get eight to twelve sacks from defensive tackle position, which sure. is a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Because really, all you're looking from for your defensive tackles is you know six sacks a season, and you're pretty near elite production at your position. Now, your ability to hold your ground against the run is. Yep probably more important than your ability to get upfield. I agree with you on that one. Now, the other defensive tackle that the Chargers had is a really good run defender, Justin yeah. Jones. I really, really like Justin Jones and how he has developed since we drafted him in the third round of the 2018 draft. Yep. What are your thoughts on Justin Jones? Yeah, I mean, I think Jones is another guy we we need to step up in a big way because we're just very limited at the depth at that position. There's not a lot of guys behind them. And I think he's going to split time with Jerry Tillery at defensive tackle. I see them battling for minutes all season long. And right now, I, without getting into camp, I think it's really a 50-50 toss-up who ends up taking that job. I think the good thing about Jones is he only got better during his three years in the league. That's exactly yeah. what you want from a third-round draft pick. He notched his first career sack last season. He finished tied second on the team with five tackles for loss. I expect him to continue to improve on those numbers. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I, I like Justin Jones. You know what I'm looking forward to is the Chargers going that wide eagle defense that the Rams played last year and seeing Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery line up inside where you're giving some some breathers to Linval Joseph because your mm. ability in that defense to get pressure from the interior, and I mean pressure, I mean getting in through the gaps, and Justin Jones isn't very polished as a pass rusher, but I think he has more ability than Linval Joseph does today at getting to the quarterback. So mm. seeing both of them inside with a Bosa and a Nuosu on the outside, I, I'm really looking forward to that becoming a reality. And it just bodes well for the future. I think those are two th- those are two guys that really complement each other, I think, very well. Justin Jones, where does he excel? Stopping the run. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Jerry Tillery struggles at. What is Jerry Tillery good at? Amazing at getting after the passer, where Justin Jones kind of struggles. I, I really like their skill sets. I think they're very complementary to another to each other. And I don't see why those aren't our starting D tackles next year or once Joseph decides to hang it up. Well, the only reason I don't see that is because I think they kind of same, play the same position where Linval Joseph and we'll get into this now, Christian yeah. Covington kind of play that the big, nose. yeah, the nose, right? And it doesn't matter if you're in a 4-3 or 3-4, both defenses have a nose tackle. Mm-hmm. One plays directly over the center and the other plays outside shade, right? And I hate when people are talking about, oh, we just have two defensive tackles. No, they're they're different positions you've got the three tech who plays primarily in the the b gap that's typically your your pass rusher type of defensive end somebody you're trying to get pressure and then you have your zero or one tech defensive tackle which is your 330 pound immovable object that Limbaugh joseph and christian covington play two different positions they have two different responsibilities one of them is typically taken on double teams. The other is typically singled up. Christian Covington is humongous. 
Yeah. He's only 305 pounds, but he but, is thick. Dude, he's huge. He is a gigantic. strong, strong guy. And he yeah. really, really excels against the run. He's got five seasons. In five of six seasons, he scored over a 70.0 run blocking grade. According to PFF, I really like Christian Covington for the value that we signed him at. It's only a one-year contract. Yeah. But he's somebody that could take over for Linval Joseph next season if we don't re-sign him. Well, he has plenty of size. And, you know, besides just being the most ripped charger right now at training camp, he, he's also a guy who's very capable of disrupting backfields. He, he's very capable against the run. I think he's okay rushing the passer. Um, he has some solid lateral, solid lateral quickness. And he's been productive so far in his, in his time in the league. Um, he's been very productive, and he's just not a guy that's played a whole lot. I mean, last oh. season he started every single game. He had his lowest, you know, worst season of his career. But if you look... He played on a really bad Bengals team. So how much, you know, did the play around him affect his play? It happens. I like Christian Covington as a player that could potentially be re-signed to a two, three, four-year contract next season. Very, very minimal in, in dollar value. Well, and what do you think he needs in terms of, of numbers to get that this year? I'm looking more at like run stops, right? I'm looking at his ability. Cause remember that, that one tech defensive tackle position, it's not a statistic driven uh, right. position. It's, it's a, you know, ability to hold your ground. You know, it's, it's really a film study and not a, a stat based sure. thing. Well then is it, but then what are you judging him on? Is it a snap count thing? Is it, just an overall impact thing. Cause if, I mean, what if he just gets one snap and is very impactful in that one snap, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I don't know how much he's going to play next season. I would assume that the chargers are going to put Linval Joseph on somewhat of a snap count. They really uh, should. They should. Because I mean, the Vikings did it two years ago. You should be putting them on a snap count. I honestly do like a 60, 40, or a 70-30 to, to Covington. It also depends on, you know, down in distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see him in no matter what, if it's a third and short, first and, and, and five to the goal line or something like that, I'm putting in my big heavy there. I'm probably lining up right next to Linval Joseph, one on either side of the A-gap. Uh, it's it's really dependent on situations, though. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to to judge. I think he's going to receive playing time regardless because you know that's a rotational type position where you want to keep your pass rushers fresh. Um, yeah. And he's he's a better pass rusher than Linval Joseph is in terms of just age and athleticism at his age. So I, I don't I don't really know. What do you, and then okay, what about this nonsense that I see having Christian Covington listed as outside linebacker? That's Are we nonsense. Are we not? We're not going to see Christian Covington at outside linebacker. Uh, I could see him playing fullback. Let's be real here. <laughs> I could see him playing He's fullback. Huge. He is huge. He is huge, but no, not at all. He's no. We let's be real here. This it was Christian a Covington is a nose tackle. He's a guy that's going to be commanding double teams, and I see him as a guy that you know, might play 20% of the overall snaps. Um, keeping in mind that, you know, this is a defense that really plays a lot more defensive backs than it does linebackers. 
Uh, you're going to be in a lot of dime sets. You're going to want a lot of edge rushing, a lot of pass rushing. Uh, that should equal lots of rotation. What about Covington as your big D end? Like you were talking about using Gaziano. That is true. Um, again, though, I, I don't even see him as a three tech defensive tackle. I see him purely as, Pure you know, a purely a nose, right? Um, a big D end is a little rich for my taste because I don't think he offers any speed off the edge. And I, if you're playing end, especially in something that takes a, uh, you know, it's structure from a three, four base defense, you're looking for smaller ends anyways. I think the only reason we're getting away for with it is because we have Joey Bosa. But it, I feel like if Brandon Saylor was doing like a fantasy draft, he wouldn't be taking Joey Bosa for this defense. He Joey Bosa's yeah. really best fit is as a 4-3 defensive end just sure. because he's got the size for that. So I, I think Bosa, it's weird because he Bosa is a little bit outside of scheme on this mm-hmm. defense. But he's such a dynamic athlete that it won't matter. And Staley is a genius. He'll he's gonna he's gonna put his best player in position to win. I wonder if Bosa's gonna drop weight. You think he's gonna get lighter? Maybe. Yeah. You know, imagine him at like I think right now he's at like two eighty. Imagine him at like two sixty five. Yeah. That would be different. I don't yeah. know. If I, but then again, I feel like you're taking some of the draw away from Bosa. Right. His size that, is what makes. I think you don't. Big. Yeah, I, I think you don't tinker it this year. You get you at least get one season where you kind of don't have him, enough time to tinker it. No, I <laughs> don't think you real. do. Yeah, you don't. You got to get a full. You got to get a season in first before you start to tinker. I, I think. Yeah, you can't. Where are you going to tinker? We haven't. Yeah, we haven't started yet. Yeah, nothing to change. Well, we'll see. Um, the Chargers do have two other defensive tackles on the roster worth noting. Cortez Broughton, who was drafted in the sixth or seventh round a couple seasons ago. Again, I think he's a player that projects best as a one-tech defensive tackle. Uh, he's a big-bodied guy, just hasn't had the ability to really play very much. I think he's been back and forth to the practice squad. Uh, if you look, he went to Houston. He does have some fun tape to watch. Um mm-hmm. The other defensive tackle is Braden Fihoku, who I do like. He's from LSU. He's kind of a fan favorite because he's, he's got yeah. the whole Hakka dance. I've got family that's Tongan. I know the Hakka dance. Uh, it's not my culture, so I can't really speak too much on it. But, you know, I do have family that that's from Tonga. I mean, I love Polynesians in football anyways. They belong in the sport. Yeah. Uh, they enjoy. They love the sport. Um, they come from, you know, that that you know, family oriented type of, you know, home background. So I like Fihoku. I think the, he, the ideals very mesh. Pretty yeah, well they do. They do. To, to football. Plus, I mean, Junior Seau is one of the greatest players in the NFL ever. Who doesn't love Junior Seau? Well, and I remember watching some document. I, I don't know if it was a documentary or what it was, but just the the percentage of the Samoan population that's in the NFL. It's like a, a solid percentage of this whole entire Samoan it is, population. It is. And, and you know, the NFL. They're, they're they're big dudes. They're men and women. <laughs> Both the women are are big women too. It's, don't don't get me wrong. Um, my family is from Tonga. Um, they and I'm I'm 
white. <laughs> so don't don't think you're listening to my voice and be like, that sounds like a white boy. It, he is. I am. But I, I do. My dad was raised by Polynesians. You know, I, I grew up my, my nickname with dot A, which was a little shit. Um, <laughs> I always uh, loved the Haka for the foot. The, the energy, it, it makes all the sense. I always loved the Haka in football. Um, you obviously need a Polynesian to do it. Yeah, but, but I love it. I love it. I think it. It's you know, cool. It's cool it, it is cool. And I, I love Polynesians in football. Um, Troy Palmolo is one of my favorite players ever. You've got Junior Seau. And they really just keep pumping them out. Um, they're they're just a group of just athletes. What's um, his name? The the defensive captain for the Bengals, Poyer. Uh, Jordan Poyer's Polynesian? Yeah. It's a new one. There's a there's a lot of them. Lofa Tatupu. Yeah, plenty of them. He, yeah, there's plenty of them. Very gifted athletes. Yeah, so no surprise that there's a bunch of them in the NFL and coming up through the ranks in, in college football also. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about on today's podcast, we've got three teams left for sandbox simulations. Come on. Um, I, I'm really excited to get this season started. It does take some time to fill a league. You're talking about 24 different teams. So if you don't take one of these three teams now and you are at least interested, uh, you may be waiting like a month and a half, two months. How long have you been waiting, Zach, for this league I to start? Say, I want to say that now like a month. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit over a month, I think. And um you know it's first come first serve it's only 18 dollars a year if you use code shock 20 at checkout you will save 20 percent. we're talking about you know three or four bucks which isn't much but i will say i do get a little bit of that you know that you know three or four bucks whatever it is um but if you're interested in playing sandbox simulations it's like madden franchise uh, you're not actually playing the game. You're just making all the decisions. So you draft the players, you set your lineups, you set up your game plans each week. Uh, I'm actually playing. This week is the Super Bowl for one of my leagues. I'm actually in the Super Bowl. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I'll be really sad here in two days if I if I lose. Nobody wants to lose a big game. But anyways, Shock 20 at checkout. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Leave us a review. Uh, if you're listening to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, doesn't really matter where. We love hearing your guys' reviews. Uh, any final words, Zach? Yeah, no, just thanks to all the listeners tuning in and talk to you guys next week. All right, thank you guys so much. Next week will be linebackers, and uh, we might do defensive backs as well.